A few years ago, um, most of y'all probably weren't even born yet. No, you weren't, you weren't here at WVU yet. Um, Charles had preached a sermon, probably up on this stage, and it was so cool. That he ended the sermon by asking these four questions, and they are some of the most convicting questions um, I, I, that I've ever been faced with. I still think about them today. I have them in a, a note in my phone. I see them all the time. And I just want to start tonight by asking these questions. Um, I don't know if we're going to answer them tonight fully, but I want us to look through this. And it's, the first one is, what do I add to the community that I'm in? Second one, what do I take away from that community? Third one, what would be missed if I left? And lastly, if I left my community, what good thing would leave with me? Right? What do, what do you add to the people around you? What do you add to your friendships? And what do you take away from your friends? What are the bad things in your life? What would be missed if you left tonight? What, you know, what would be missed in your friendship? And if you left tonight, what would be like, man, I'm glad that's not a part of what we're thinking about. Now, I'm asking these questions, not because I, I, you know, I, we're, we're not going to go through, like, let's break down the answer to each question. I do think you guys should, if you didn't, take a picture, write it down, and man, like, spend some time tonight and ask these questions honestly before the Lord. I think he's going to do some incredible things. Every time I think about them, he still does incredible things in my heart. But the reason that I wanted to start with these questions is because they really get at the heart of what I want to talk about tonight. Look at that. Good man. He's putting it back up for people to take a picture. That's okay. That's what Jeff's for. Um, the reason I bring these up is because tonight we're talking about friendship, but not just like generic friendship, right? I love these questions because they get to the heart of something deeper. They get to the heart of the fact that friendships we're talking about are not just based on watching football or watching the Great British Baking Show or baking or they're all good. They're good things, right? I don't know if the Great British Baking Show is good, but my wife loves it. Um, it is good? Okay. What we're talking about tonight, though, is a friendship that's deeper than that. A friendship that is, is concerned about not just what we do together, but means something far deeper. And so, I love these questions because friendship is, is, yes, we want to have fun in our friendships, right? Like, I, it's kind of hard to be friends with someone if you don't have fun with them. But friendship isn't just about being fun. It's about godly friendships are really about making us look more like Jesus. And so... Who in this room has a friend? Who has friends? Cool. Who has a best friend? Who has a best friend in this room? Who's sitting next to their best friend? Oh, no, I'm, just, I'm not going to do that. I'm not gonna, <laughs> the person next to you is like, you're not my best friend? <laughs> now, while my, many of us might have friends, might have a best friend, I do want to speak to something. Um, there might be some of you in this room who... Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you did raise your hand. But if you were honest with yourself, you'd be like, I actually don't know if I really have that many friends. I actually don't know if I have anyone that, like, Adria and Glenn are talking about, like, I can just call up and I can actually ask them and say, hey, this is going on in my life. I've been there in my own life, my first two years in college, when I was involved in Chi Alpha. I was in a small group, and I was leading a small group. I honestly didn't really have anyone that I could call my brother, that I could call my real friend, and it was crazy because I was surrounded by all these godly people. I was surrounded by all these incredible people that loved me, 
But there was something that was like, man, I just, I don't really feel like I even have a friend. And so if you're here tonight, if that's you, I want you to know you're in the right place. You have people next to you that want to be your friend. Your small group leader loves you. If you're a small group leader and you don't feel like a friend, your resource loves you. I want you guys to know that you are in the real place. It's a real thing. It's hard. But, I mean, that's a reality. We live in a culture where how many likes on your Instagram proves, oh, that's how many friends I have. Or a thousand people that are on Facebook are my friends. And we might have a hundred people that we talk to, and we might have a thousand contacts in our phone, but a lot of people don't even have a friend. And so, you're in the right place to find a friend. So, if you're a Christian for more than a week, you've probably heard someone talk about being friends. You talk about friendship. You've heard a sermon. You've heard a small group. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you've probably heard a hundred sermons, messages, small groups on friendship. Please don't check out tonight. Don't be like, ah, oh, just another one of these. Because I believe, truly, I believe that Jesus is going to speak to us tonight. I've been so pumped to share this message. I've been so pumped. Jesus has been like speaking into my heart. I believe he's going to speak to you. Please don't check out. God wants to change our hearts and our minds and tell us something new about friendship today. So I'm going to read from a passage in the Bible. I love the Bible. I hope you love the Bible. It is a rather long passage. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. You guys can follow along on the screen. Um, it's a really powerful passage, so stick with me, all right? So we're going to put it on the screen. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend. It's long, right? I'm just kidding. It wasn't a long passage. But this is where we're at tonight. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend. Guys, I think this is one of the most powerful verses on friendship. I also think it's one of the most quoted verses on friendship that no one actually understands. Like, it's literally like this. It's like, dude, like, what is godly friendship supposed to look like? It's like, dude, oh, there's that, like, proverb, like, as iron sharpens iron. Like, that's how friends are supposed to be. Like, okay, what does that mean? It's like, like, like iron sharpens iron. It's like, yeah, I, but what does that mean? It's like, I don't know, man. Like, that's what we're going to unpack tonight. What does this mean? How does this relate to godly friendship? How does this relate to Jesus caring about our lives and becoming more like him? Right? And so that's what we're going to do. Now, I want to be honest, breaking down this passage, this verse, wasn't the first thing Jesus spoke to me when I was thinking about this. It was actually right in line with what Charles talked about at the last rally, right? We were talking about every conversation leads to Jesus. And we're talking, to, he, was, he said, man, like one of those questions was like, look when you watch a TV show or you read a book or you're you know, watching a football game or whatever, like, can you find Jesus in that? And it was cool. I was actually listening to a podcast. And it was a very controversial podcast. Joe Rogan. Yes. Someone said his name. He has been in the spotlight for a while. People are trying to cancel him. Go for it. The conversation, if y'all haven't listened to it, you don't have to go listen to it. That's whatever. But he's talking to a guy named Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson is an intellectual genius, which I guess that, yeah, the same thing. He's an intellectual and he's a genius. And he said something during this podcast. I know exactly where it was at, an hour and 45 minutes in. And he said three simple words that the Lord just deposited this into my heart. And he's talking to Joe Rogan, and they're talking about um, the nature and the philosophy of conversation between friends. And he says, 
this. Conversation is redemptive. Conversation is redemptive. And what he kind of expounds on that, and he says, look, when I come to the table and I have these ideas, right? Maybe my ideas are right. Maybe my ideas are wrong. And you come to the table, and maybe your ideas are right, and maybe they're wrong. And as we talk through it, as we wrestle through, as we disagree, as we explain what we mean, when we leave the conversation, we come away with fuller and better and more redeemed ideas. And what the Lord spoke wasn't just that conversation is redemptive, but he actually spoke and he said, Sean, what, what happens between Jordan and, and Joe is that they're friends, right? If you're, if you're just talking to someone on the street who doesn't want to hear you, it's like two people talking about politics. No one's going to get anywhere. They're just going to dig further in their own hole. He said, and so I felt like the Lord said, what he's really saying isn't just that conversation is redemptive, but he's actually saying that friendship is redemptive. Friendship is redemptive. And what I want to submit to you tonight, and what I believe we're going to see when we leave here tonight, is that Jesus wants to and will use our friendships to work out his redemptive work in our lives. Jesus wants to change our lives and make us holy and godly people and to be like him. And one of the primary ways he does this is through our friends, right? So when we think of redemption, a lot of times we just think of like initial salvation and that Jesus saved us and you get this little like salvation card and you put it in your wallet and, you know, your fire insurance, whatever you want to call it. But the reality of redemption is that it is, it is something that happens, that Jesus did save you, but you are continuing to be saved. You're continuing to be redeemed. There's parts of our hearts that have not come under the lordship of Jesus. And that process of redemption, that process of becoming more like Jesus, one of the ways Jesus loves to do that is through our friends. And that is what I mean by friendship is redemptive. Jesus is invested in the initial salvation and redemption of us and the continued redemption. He's invested in our friendship with him and he's invested in our friendships with each other. And in the interplay of our relationship with him and our relationships with others, God redeems our lives and makes us more like him. That's not already the most incredible thing you've heard tonight. Sorry, I... I'm just, this is like crazy, like Elias becomes more like Jesus because Andrew is his friend, and Andrew becomes more like Jesus because Elias is his friend. That is incredible. So, we're going to unpack this verse, we're going to go through it. Friendship is redemptive, Jesus wants to make us more like him, and he does that by our friends. So as we unpack this verse, guys... I joke that it's like a long passage. You can put it back up. It's not a long passage. It's like 10 words, right? It's 10 words long. I'm sure there's more that is in this passage than I'm going to share with you tonight, but I was just sitting there one day, and I was, I, the Lord always speaks to me right before I go to bed, so it's kind of annoying because I'm like laying down, eyes closed. I'm like, oh, this is, and I got to write it down. Later, oh, this, and so I do that, but it was just kept going, and I was like, okay, Lord, and so there's seven true, seven realities that the Lord revealed to me, and I want to share with you guys tonight. So that's the verse. It's iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend. Now the first truth that this verse reveals to us about redemptive friendship is that you need two pieces of iron for there to be a sharpening. Just as you have to have two pieces of iron to sharpen the iron, so friendship requires another person. 
I know that's simple. I know that's elementary. But friendship cannot exist without a friend. Friendship cannot exist without a friend. You do not have friendship if you don't have anyone to share it with. You don't have friendship if there's not another person that you can walk beside. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I know it's simple. I know it's elementary. But it's like I said, there's so many people, some of us in this room, that we think, man, I've got all these people on Facebook and Instagram that follow me. They're all my friends. I've got a thousand contacts in my phone. They're all my friends. And it's like, we, we don't, no one has a thousand friends. You can't have a thousand friends. It's not possible, right? But for there to be friendship, there has to be at least one. I know it's elementary. I know it's simple. But look, if iron is going to sharpen iron, there has to be two pieces. And for friendship to be redemptive, you have to have a friend. The second point, the second truth that this verse reveals to me, that, that, that reveals about redemptive friendship, is that sharpening iron is always intentional. Just as iron does not get sharpened by sitting on the shelf, so redemptive friendships do not just fall into your lap when you do nothing, right? A truism we say is that if you want a friend, be a friend. If you want a friend, be a friend. It is silly at, be at, at best, maybe insane at worst, to just sit on your couch, in your room, in the dark, playing video games, and think that someone's going to be your best friend. Like, <laughs> no one else lives in your room. You live in your room, right? I can't tell you how many people just like, that, that, that it's the insanity of they think, well, someone's going to come to me. Someone's going to pursue me. Someone is going to be my friend even if I don't do anything. And that's just not the way it works. Friendship is intentional, and it's intentional by both people, right? I, I, th I think about, like, if I try to be Elias' friend, but he doesn't try to be my friend, we're not going to be friends. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Friendship, right, is something that we have to do. I think about myself. I was talking about Charles earlier, talking about him again. There are people that I naturally click with, and there are people I don't. Charles and I, for years, have not naturally clicked. They're, we just have different interests. But the guys that I've naturally clicked with, some of my best friends. Charles isn't a better best friend. They're not a lesser best friend. But there is something in my friendship with Charles that is so rich and so deep and so meaningful that I don't have with those other guys because we have had to be intentional to understand, to love, to fight for each other. And, and Charles is one of my best friends because of that. And I love these other guys. They're not lesser. But, man, that intentionality is so indifferent. I've heard people say you don't always get to choose your friends. In the kingdom of God, that's not true. You can choose your friends. You can choose to love people that maybe you don't naturally get along with. Heck, you can choose to love people that you don't like. The kingdom of God is like that. It's intentional friendship, and it's redemptive as we say, yes, Jesus, I will do this. The third truth this verse reveals about redemptive friendship is that ironing, iron sharpening iron is not an easy process. I think a lot of times, this is where I think most people get confused. They're like, oh, yeah, iron sharpens iron. Like, we're just, we're going to be best friends. I'm like, no, the process of iron sharpening iron is like grinding metal against metal. And you, you have to heat it up. And there's friction and there's all this stuff. 
And it's not just this, like, walk in the park and, like, sunshine and daisies and, oh, they're my best friend, you know? Like, that's not what redemptive friendship looks like. Our friendships, okay, look, I'm not saying that your friendships have to suck. Like, the grinding doesn't mean, like, oh, like, they're my best friend, but they're just the worst. Like, that's not what it is. Our friendships, like I said, are supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be full of joy. They're supposed to be life-giving. But the best friends are the ones like Adrian and Glenn talked about. I mean, we rub each other the wrong way, but we learn to love each other. I love what Proverbs 27, 6 says. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's, a, that's, a, that's an intense statement. That means faithful and good is it if Kyle wounds me because he loves me. Better that, he rebuke me, he call me out, we rub against each other. Then, then just some stranger be like, dude, you're the best, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Better for your friend to call you out because they love you, hurt your feelings, and make you better than someone who's just going to tell you what you want to hear. Redemptive friendships are friendships where we do grind against each other, and we wear away at the pride and the sin and the selfishness that is remaining in us, that as we are friends, we might become more like Jesus, uh, that's, yeah, that's just so cool to me. Yeah, sorry, this is all cool to me. Um, yeah, I'm going to go to the next thing. The fourth truth this verse reveals to me about redemptive friendship is that iron sharpening iron is not a quick process, okay? It's not a quick process. When you sharpen iron, you don't just go at it for like 30 seconds and like, oh, I've got a knife, like I'm going to cut a tree down, you know, or an axe or whatever, now, you wouldn't cut a tree down with a knife, Sean, silly. No, like, to sharpen iron, you have to commit time, you have to commit energy, you have to be willing to put in work, right, for it to be sharpened. And just as it takes time and investment to sharpen iron, so it takes time and investment for friendships to be formed and for friendships to be redemptive. The reality of spending time, the reality is, is, is something we like to say, um, and Chi Alpha is that spend time with small group outside of small group. Probably, maybe you've heard this before. It seems like it's just like this, oh, yeah, you should just do it. The heart behind it is that, look, you have 168 hours in a given week, right? If the only time you spend with your small group, the guys and girls that are sitting next to you, is two hours at small group on Tuesday night, maybe another hour and a half here, but if just the two hours of small group, you're giving about 1% of your time to these people. And it is silly to think that you're going to become best friends with someone by giving 1% of anything, right? If we want to see people be our brothers and sisters, if we want to do this, and we want Jesus to change our lives through our friends, we're going to have to commit to each other and say, look, I'm going to spend time with you. Yeah, it might be inconvenient. Maybe I'm going to go to bed late, but I want to be with you. Like, I mean, I think we all want that deep down. We want friends. We want people that are like over at our house late and we have to kick them out because they're there and it's like, dude, I love you. Get out of my house. I got to go to bed. Like, we all want that. That's not going to happen if we just give two hours of our week, right? We spend time with our small group outside of small group. We spend time with our friends outside of the, the times that we have to be together. I think two people that do this well are in our small group. One guy, unfortunately, he's not here tonight. Um, his name is Cameron, and 
Cameron is one of those guys that when he says he's busy, like, I believe him. And I'm like, there's people that are like, oh, I'm busy. I'm like, yeah, sure you are. This dude is busy. Like, upperclassman, engineering, super smart. There you go. Guys, he shows up all the time to things. He comes. He comes to small group. He comes to rally. He couldn't be here tonight. He's got two projects they're doing in the morning. That's fine. But the dude comes to hang out. He goes to board games. He goes to up all night. He hangs out. If anyone had an excuse to not hang out outside of just one night a week, it would be Cameron. And yet he comes. And he's always there. And he's become a brother in a very short time. And it's awesome. Another guy is Matt sitting right there. Matt is, has known Cameron for before he could know Cameron, like as a baby, I guess. Um, Matt is not as intensive a major, but Matt is just like, dude, I'm down to literally hang whenever. And he's like showing up at worship nights. He's showing up at my house, at Timmy's house. We're playing board games. We're doing whatever. We're going, we're going to eat. We're doing all this stuff. And it's so cool because, again, Matt, like I didn't know Matt at the beginning of last semester. And now Matt is one of my friends, right? Like uh, someone I, would, I, I enjoy being with. And it's because he's fought to be with us outside of just Tuesday night. If God is going to redeem our lives, if iron's going to be sharpened, it's going to take investment. It's going to take time. And we give it to each other because we love each other, because it's not just selfish. It's not just what I can take, right? But it's what Jesus wants to do in our lives. And it's how we have, brothers. The best, your best friends in this room are exactly those people. They're the people you spent the most time with. The fifth thing I see from this verse that reveals about redemptive friendship is that the process of sharpening makes us more effective. I don't have a knife on me. I guarantee Charles does. Ian might. Christopher might. Frankie might. I'm not as manly as them. Um, it, yeah, it is. But a dull knife, okay, a dull knife is still a knife, but it is not an effective knife, right? And in the same way, you could be a follower of Jesus that doesn't have any friends. And you might go and do some cool stuff, but you will not be as effective as you could be if you're doing it with your brothers and your sisters. The reality of redemptive friendship is that we need each other to be most effective. I think about when Jesus sent out the disciples. How did he send them out? He sent them out in twos. He sent them out with a friend. There are no lone wolves. There are no mavericks for Jesus and the kingdom of God. He always sends us out with a friend. If you've done evangelism before, if you've been out at the booth with us, heck, if you've just like been at the lair and you're like, I'm going to go invite that person to sit with us. Like, it's so much easier to be like, Eli, let's go invite that guy to hang out with us, right? Like, so much easier to do it with a friend. How much more to do the work of God. If we're going to do God's work if, and if we're going to do it well, if we're going to do it effectively, if we're going to reach people and let see their lives change, we're going to have to do it with our friends. And that is how Jesus is going to change our lives and change their lives if we do it together. The sixth truth this verse reveals about redemptive friendship is, this is I think this is my favorite one. Both pieces of iron are changed. If you don't know anything about sharpening you know, it's, there's all sorts of different methods. But one of the key ideas of sharpening something that is metal is to use another metal that is harder. There are other ways to sharpen. There's whetstones regardless. 
But usually, if you're going to sharpen a metal, you use a harder metal to sharpen it. And so there are actually people, biblical scholars, that were like, look, uh, maybe the like, writer of the Proverbs were like dolts and like, not very smart because like, you're supposed to sharpen metal with a stronger metal. But I don't think the writer of the proverb is stupid. I think he was saying exactly what he meant to say. Because look, if you are going to sharpen iron with iron, both pieces will be changed. Both people in a friendship are changed. I learned this the hard way when I became a small group leader. I looked at these guys, and I was like, I'm going to change their lives. They're going to love Jesus because I'm investing in them, and they're going to be different. And, like, Jesus has changed me, but they're going to be changed. And that's true. But as I've been a small group leader for about 10 years now, I've seen that the guys who I have fought for to be my friends and I fought to disciple have often changed me more than maybe I ever changed them. And they were changed. Many of them know Jesus now. And some of them, I've been in their weddings. I've, they're some of my best friends. But man, like, my life was changed too. Both our lives are changed. And that is what that redemptive friendship looks like. Not one of us, not, it's not only one person, but both are changed. I, I, that to me is just like, it's so crazy. It's not, it's not just like, even as I'm up here and I'm like talking to you guys, you guys aren't the only ones. I know this isn't exactly friendship, but like I'm being changed as Jesus works through us both. The final truth this reverse reveals to me about redemptive friendship is that sharpening iron is a fun, rewarding process. It is fun. It is rewarding. If you've ever made something with your hands, then you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever made a table, if you've ever crocheted, I got some crocheters in the room, right? If you've ever baked, right, like you bake a big old meal for someone, there is that, like, reward if you built a gun. Um, there's that reward of looking at this, and you're like, I can, I can touch this thing. I built it. This is so crazy. Like, that, that is, that is the, I, I worked for my uncle. I don't know why I'm telling this story. I worked for my uncle, built a bunch of tables. The last day I worked with him was like a 17 and a half hour day. It was just absolutely crazy. And we made like 48 tables that were going to Joe's Crab Shack. And then like six months later, Heather and I were in uh, San Antonio. She thought I was going to propose to her. I wasn't. So I didn't know she thought I was. So I felt bad. Well, where do we go? We go to Joe's Crab Shack. And I sit down at the table, and I'm like, I literally made this table. Like, I'm at a restaurant 150 miles from where I made it, and I, this is the table I made. Like, it was cool. It was crazy. It was such a rewarding feeling. I say all that because, look, redemptive friendship is the same way. The man who puts the time to sharpen his iron, and the man, that man goes to bed with a smile on his face, knowing how beautiful and how effective that knife is or that whatever is, right? And the man or the woman who gives their time and gives their energy and gives their investment into their friends is the man or woman who can sleep well knowing that they are loved and, and enjoyed by the people around them. All the time, all the investment, all the grinding, all the intentionality, it is worth the reward of brotherhood and sisterhood that changes us more into Jesus. As iron sharpens iron, 
so a man sharpens his friend. What I believe this verse ultimately boils down to is that friendships are redemptive, and they make you better. But they don't just make you better, they also make you godly. They make you more like Jesus. Jesus is in the business of redemption. He wants our lives to come in line with his vision for what he wants for our lives. And one of, that ways, one of the ways he brings us into his will, that he makes us more like him, is through the people sitting next to you. It's, it's, it's just one of the most beautiful things that, that we get to do this. We get to become more like Jesus. It's not this, just this thing that's just us. It's not this like, oh, that's you, that's your religion's your thing. No, we do it with each other. To say we don't need each other simply doesn't line up with the reality of the Bible. The Bible is all about doing life together. There's that whole passage in, in 1 Corinthians where it says, if the ear says to the eye, I don't need you, that's just not true. We need each other. We say this in Chi Alpha, we are all finite expressions of an infinite God. And what that means is that God is infinite in his character and his nature, that there is something in your life, Lindsay, and there's something in your life, Allison, and there's something in your life, Carly, and there's something in your life, Kyle, and Lennon, that there's, a, there's, there's the image of God in your life that has never existed before and never will exist again. He is infinite. We're finite. And so getting to know Lindsay and getting to know Kyle and getting to know Lennon, getting to know Carly, getting to know anyone, I am seeing something about God that has never been seen before and never will be seen again. There's something so valuable in being friends with people who love Jesus. When we're with each other, we not only get a bigger view of God, we get a more right view of God. And the areas that are wrong, the areas that are off, they get redeemed. They get changed, just like Jordan Peterson was talking about. You come into the conversation with some right ideas, with some wrong ideas. You leave with dropping the wrong ideas, walking away with the right. And the same happens in redemptive friendships. When we're with each other, we get that bigger view of God. And once a week isn't going to cut it. One two-hour block, just coming here to rally, it's just, it's just not going to happen. I, I wish it did. I wish it was like a gumball machine and A plus B equals C friendship. But it doesn't work like that. We invest. We fight. We love. We sacrifice. We lay down these things. And Jesus not only changes our lives, but he gives us friends to do this together. The beauty of friendship is that we become like Jesus together. I want to end by saying one more thing. What the heck? Sorry, there's like brackets all over my page, but I didn't put them there. Did someone, Tommy, did you draw on my, no? Okay. I almost made Tommy come up here and just preach, so he said he would do it, so next time. So anyways, um, what's up, Evan? <laughs> Sorry, I put you on blast. <laughs> I want to say this to end. Do you guys know that Jesus is pleased with your friendships with, the, with each other? Did you know that the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, every living thing, did you know that he's pleased when you hang out with each other? Matthew eighteen twenty says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Guys, Jesus is pleased. It brings pleasure to his face. He leans down from heaven to join with us when we hang out with each other. 
I mean, this is, this is crazy. This is like if Grace and Virginia decide they're going to go to lunch tomorrow, and they are under the banner of Christ, right, and they're friends, they go sit in the lair. Man, Jesus is joining y'all. He's pleased that you guys are there, and he joins, and it brings a smile to his face. Jesus is pleased with our friendships with each other, and he's a part of them with us. And as he is sitting there with us, you might not see him, there's an empty chair, whatever, but he is in our midst, and he is changing our lives as we are friends with each other under his name. If that's not the most incredible thing to you, I don't know what is. The privilege that, that Jesus doesn't just do this like magic juju stuff to you in your bedroom, but that your life has changed because of the people that sit next to you. That is just the most incredible thing. And I just think about my own life. Who I was a year ago is a drastically different person than I am today because of the people that I walk in life with. And who I was 10 years ago, I mean, it's it, it non-existent. Like, it's almost hard to picture who I was 10 years ago because of how much my life has changed, ultimately because of Jesus, but what he's done through my friends. And so, guys, I hope you cherish your friends. I hope you fight to have deeper friendships. And I hope that you see that, that Jesus is in your friendships, and he wants you to be like him. And he's going to do that as we walk life together. And so we said it. We're not going to do discussion time tonight. We're actually going to pray together. I think it's like only fitting. It's like, look, if we're friends with each other, then we're going to pray with each other. And we're going to seek Jesus together. And so I want just two, two kind of directions you could go as you pray with your small group. Okay, so get in your small group. If you're not in a small group, join a small group. If you are a small group leader and you're just by yourself, join with a small group. Get together. Pray together. Don't pray alone. And I want you to pray one of two things. The first is, man, do I really have a friend? Do I really have someone that I'm like, I could call my brother, I could call my sister? And just be honest with each other. And it's, it, it's, maybe it feels humiliating, maybe it feels shameful, but you can't do life alone. And so just look, hey, guys, I, I really, I don't, I don't say this rudely, but I really don't feel like anyone's my friend, and I want you all to be my friend. Would you pray with me? And would you help me, Jesus, to be friends with people and to let people be friends with me, right? And then otherwise, if you want, if you're not, you're like, dude, I got, I got friends. Well, then, man, are you a good friend? Are you a friend that makes people better? Are you a friend, like in the questions where you add your community or you take away from your community? Are you a friend where people are like, dude, I love when he walks in the room, or it's like, ugh, they're here, you know? And, and, and just be honest with each other. Look, like, I'll, I could grow as a friend here. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me to, to, to get over being, having my way? Man, I, I, I am just so bent on, if we don't hang out at this time based on my schedule, just say that to your friends. Look, help me. Keep me accountable. Pray for me. And we're going to pray together, and we're going to seek Jesus together. And, and the hope and the prayers that you guys come out of this closer to each other closer to Jesus. So we're gonna have a little bit of music in the background. Once you guys are done praying, you're free to go. Just, you're not stuck. We're not gonna have a closing song. So just pray as long as you want and, and, and do it with each other. So love you guys and let's do this.